Philippians chapter 2. We will continue to look at the uh, blessing and responsibilities of sending. Now let's stand together as we read the words of our God. And then we will pledge allegiance to Him. Beginning in verse 25 of Philippians chapter 2. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And all God's people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So in these weeks that... Uh, Ralph and Zach are in Tanzania. Uh, I thought it was good uh, to provide some sort of uh, reminder to keep our minds on the work there, that that work is a part of, of our work. Sometimes there can be a, a buildup to sending people on a mission trip or to sending people on this work, and then there's sort of a lull. Uh, while we wait for them to get back and then we're excited again because they're back and we sort of look at all the pictures and the stories and stuff like that. Uh, but I wanted us to see that the work they're doing now as they've already finished uh, church service there, they sent me some uh, pictures of, of the teaching that they were doing, that, but that that work that they're doing now is also our work, that our church body is at work in two different places of the world. Our church is, is working here, but our church body has also been extended, extended its arm to work over there uh, as well in Tanzania. And I wanted to have those, uh, I wanted to have them in our thoughts. I wanted our prayers to continue to be on them. Uh, not just, so it wouldn't just be, hey, uh, like last week, hey, uh, Zach and Ralph are leaving uh, and we pray for them and send them. And then we just don't think about them again for four Sundays. And then they come back and we'll go, hey, Zach and Ralph are back. And we go, oh yeah, how was Tanzania? Like, I want us to be prayerfully uh, seeing that every day as they're working, we're working and, and how we can meet some of those needs and what we need to be thinking about in, uh, in that sending. So we started looking last week at the, the blessing and responsibility of sending someone. That there's, there, is, uh, there is a great blessing that comes when you send someone, but there's also great responsibilities on the church in the sending. Um, I mean, we have no obligation, there's no obligation for the First Baptist Church of Begs to train workers in Africa, to train pastors. No obligation in the scripture. But there's certainly a benefit that comes to us when we go and help other churches. But that doing that is not just a blind good. You don't just do it and say, oh, we did it, so that's good. There's still responsibilities for us in the sending. So last week, uh, we looked at some of those blessings and responsibilities, and we started when Paul sent Timothy. So what we're doing is we're looking at four examples of Paul sending someone or of Scripture, talking about someone being sent, and lessons in that sending that the Scripture gives us. Scripture says, hey, here's a great blessing that's going to come from sending this person, and here's a great but here are also great responsibilities for the church. And so we looked last week at Timothy. So when Paul sent Timothy, uh, we saw that he didn't just send Timothy, uh, that there were great blessings that come, the blessing of, uh, of affirmed or confirmed faith, that there is a, a, a blessing in seeing the genuineness of someone's Christianity. You know, we can always get messages from other people on other sides of the world. They can talk a good game. 
Uh, but it is good to go over there and see that, yeah, Christ is genuinely at work over there. These aren't just people claiming to be Christians to get us to come help them do things, that their faith is real, that their struggles and yet steadfastness are genuine. So there's a great, there's a great blessing from that. But we also saw some responsibilities in sending. That just because you can go over there and see that affirmed faith and, and there's a great blessing in that doesn't mean there aren't responsibilities for us as a church. And so we saw Paul talk about that uh, in his own life. Timothy was the only person around him that he could send because everyone else, he said, was, uh, you know, didn't genuinely care for the church. They were kind of self-centered. They didn't care about the work of Christ. Um, and so they just cared about their own interests. And so Paul said, Timothy's the only one I can send. So we saw you can't send if you don't care. So one of the responsibilities in sending is you've got to care about the people that you're, you're going to. If you aren't really concerned for the faith of the people that you're sending to, then just don't go. Then just don't, don't send people. You're not sinning by not going. But if you go without caring, then you are sinning. You are disobeying the Lord uh, because you are, you're using his resources. You're using the time that he's given you to do something you don't really care about. So if you're going to send people, make sure that you genuinely care, that it's not just an act that good churches do. What do good churches do? They send people. So what should we do? Let's send. To whom? I don't care, but we know we're supposed to send. Uh, you should care. And you should send to people you care about, that you care about having their faith affirmed. But we also saw not just that, but it, when you do decide that as a church, we want to send to these people. We care about these people. We care about their faith. We want to grow. In this case, we want to help these pastors grow in their knowledge of the Lord and, and become more biblical pastors. They don't have theological training over there. Their churches are very young and immature, and we can help them in some way. So now that we've established that, we want to see their faith affirmed. We want to help them. We've got to send, but you can't just send anybody. Like Paul said, I could only send Timothy. Out of all the people that Paul had with him, he said, the only person I can send is Timothy. And we saw that, you know, Paul didn't say, you know what? I've got a bunch, of, a bunch of really losers over here. Uh, they're just self-centered, but I think a good mission trip will help them. You know, you know what I think will really help? Send them on a mission trip and that'll turn them around. Paul said, no, I ain't sending any of these people because uh, they don't care. Who I am sending is Timothy because Timothy was a worthy worker. So we saw a responsibility last week that we've got is to send worthy workers. That the mission field, church work is a proven ground, not a proving ground. Put it, and, and again, that's true for both missions and, and any work in the church. It's not a place that someone can prove themselves. It's for those who have already proven themselves. Those are the people that, that you put in this service ministry uh, of the Lord. And so we saw if you're going to go, it's going to be a great blessing. You see their faith affirmed, but you've also got responsibilities. You better make sure you care about them. You better make sure you're not just doing this to do it. And you better make sure that you're sending worthy workers. So that's what we saw uh, with Timothy. But that's not uh, all that we're going to get. Paul's not just done with sending Timothy. Uh, even though Paul says Timothy is the only one he has with him uh, that cares. He's not just sending Timothy. Paul is also sending Epaphroditus. And that's going to be our focus today. Uh, what does Paul teach us in that sending of Epaphroditus? Uh, so, so let's look. Let's start in verse 25. And let's see. This is the text that we read. Let, let's, let's see what we can learn. Uh, the, the, both the blessings and responsibilities of sending from this second person that Paul sent. So we saw from Timothy. Now let's see, what does Paul teach us in the sending of Epaphroditus? Verse 25, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, 
and your messenger and minister to my need. Now, how we just read Paul. How can Paul send Epaphroditus? Because Paul has just said, I don't have anybody to send but Timothy. And then the next verse is, I'm also sending Epaphroditus. And you're going, wait, is Epaphroditus one of those losers who didn't care about anybody else uh, and who was only worried about himself and not the interest of Christ? Why are you sending Epaphroditus? Well, let's look at Epaphroditus and that's going to clear things up. Uh, because what we're going to see is Epaphroditus is not among the group that was with Paul. We're going to see where Epaphroditus came from and what Paul's doing. Uh, Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus is interesting. Uh, Epaphroditus, uh, it comes, it's a play off the, the word Aphrodite. Uh, it means like two Aphrodite, Aphroditus, uh, two Aphrodite. Uh, by that point, it'd come to mean charming. So a pretty great name, like Mr. Charming. Uh, it's like, well, you know, that's, that'd be pretty sweet to have that name. But it was a very common Greek name. Epaphroditus, I mean, you've probably, you probably know people named Epaphroditus. Uh, just kidding. It was, just, it was a common name then. In fact, you don't have, we don't have another Epaphroditus in Scripture, but we do have a guy named Epaphras. And you go, oh, well, that seems very similar. It is. That's the abbreviation of Epaphroditus. It'd be like someone named Christopher and someone named Chris. Epaphroditus is that guy who's like, you know, my name's, I'm Christopher. Oh, okay. Nice to meet you, Chris. And he's like, no, it's Christopher. Uh, so they'd be like, hey, nice to meet you, Epaphras. And he's like, no, it's Epaphroditus. Uh, so that's, you can think of that name, very common name. It might have meant that his parents were worshipers of Aphrodite. Uh, you don't, I mean, if you met someone today and you know, they said, this is my child and what's his name uh, to Jesus Christ that you'd probably go, that's probably a Christian. Uh, what's your child's name? His name is given to Jesus. Uh, okay. So you're a Puritan. It's nice to meet you. Uh, and great job. Uh, is a, to Jesus barebone. You know? uh, so uh, the same things on here. Epaphroditus could be that his parents were worshipers of Aphrodite uh, and Epaphroditus is a convert. Um, not really sure about that, but that could be his background. What we do know about Epaphroditus from this text is Epaphroditus is now a brother. He says, Epaphroditus, my brother, meaning Epaphroditus is a believer. So you've got Epaphroditus. Uh, he's a believer, could have come from a, from a Greek home. We're going to see he's attached to Philippi, could have come from a Greek home that used to worship Aphrodite, realized the futility, and they go, hey, Aphrodite's not real, or, or the, the real things that she is are really demonic, so let's get away from that. Uh, and, and he hasn't changed his name. Uh, but he is a brother now in the Lord, and not just a brother. He says he's also his fellow worker. Uh, that Greek word there is synergo, where we get the word synergy. He's working with me uh, in, in this faith. So Epaphroditus is working with Paul in some way, and it seems to be some significant way, because Epaphroditus isn't just a fellow worker. So he's not just a brother. He's a fellow worker, but he's not just a fellow worker. He's also a fellow soldier that he has not just worked with Paul. He has soldiered with Paul. So it doesn't seem like Epaphroditus is the type of guy that Paul mentioned earlier. And, you know, the other than Timothy, he's just got a bunch of self-centered uh, people. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you've got this, this guy. He's praising this Epaphroditus guy. Uh, you know, hey, uh, is it like, you know, he forgot about Epaphroditus and now he's mentioning him, but he didn't want to go back and erase the other stuff because you only got so much papyrus. Uh, what, what happened here? The answer actually comes in his next description. So who is Epaphroditus? How can Paul say no one, no one with him but Timothy uh, cares about Christ and then say, but I'm also sending Epaphroditus. We see Epaphroditus didn't come with Paul. Epaphroditus was sent to Paul. He was actually sent to Paul by the Philippians. So look at what it says. So he is my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, and now he switches it, and your messenger. 
and minister to my need. Epaphroditus isn't from Paul. Epaphroditus is from Philippi. Epaphroditus is their messenger. That's a a different word than the typical word messenger. You know, the typical word messenger is the word angel. This is a different word than that. This is is the word apostle, which just means, uh, unlike people today who want to say, you know, I am apostle so-and-so. Uh, in this case, it meant someone sent out. They were, it was the person that you sent out. So the church had sent out Epaphroditus to do something. We're going to see in, uh, to, to, to bring like a gift to Paul. So he is the one sent by them, sent out by this church. Uh, the apostles are those sent out by Jesus. So the apostles are sent out by Christ, but you can send out other people. But to be an apostle, like capital A, was someone who was sent out by, was sent out by Christ. But, but they had sent Epaphroditus to do this, um, to be their minister. Uh, the word there is people worker, the worker of the people, uh, meaning that uh, he was sent to do what the people needed done. So Philippi can't all go and take care of Paul. So they send out this worker of the people. This ends up becoming our word public servant. Uh, that's the, com- the combination of these two words is, is servant or worker and people. Uh, and so eventually this becomes the word public servant. Uh, but, but here it's, he's a servant for the Philippians. So you sent this guy out to do the service that you as a church wanted to do, um, to, to do their work, to in some way um, sent, sent by them to help Paul, to, to minister to Paul's situation. So Paul can say, yeah, I've only got Timothy, but Epaphroditus isn't one of me. He's one of, he's one of you and I'm sending him back. So that's the, the likely situation. It's, it's Epaphroditus who was his fellow worker, had labored with Paul, in the spread of the gospel. He possibly even uh, helped Paul to found the Philippian church. The work hadn't been easy. And so Epaphroditus had been in some of the conflicts uh, from the evil one that Paul had been involved with, some of the being delivered from evil. So he was a soldier. They'd they'd, they'd wage sort of spiritual warfare uh, together that brothers forged in that warfare. And now Epaphroditus uh, is being sent to Philippi, probably is, is in Philippi, uh, at this moment, there's a chance that Paul is, is sending Epaphroditus with the letter, right? So I've sent you Epaphroditus back to you. And Epaphroditus might be the one uh, sending the letter. So the church had sent, Philippi had sent uh, Epaphroditus uh, to Paul with a monetary gift. If, if you look at uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 18, it talks about Epaphroditus coming probably uh, with, he was bringing the gifts uh, Probably when Paul is in uh, prison, either in Ephesus or in Rome, I would say Ephesus because Ephesus and Philippi are, are really close. So it would make sense for the church at Philippi to send someone over uh, to Paul when he is, uh, when he is imprisoned uh, in, in Ephesus, church of Philippi, uh, to do that. It seems like during that task, he nearly died. You can see Ephesians chapter 2, verse 30. So whatever we have here, Epaphroditus is different from that first group, and it is a double syndic. So Philippi sent Epaphroditus to Paul. Paul is sending Epaphroditus back, and not because he wants to, you know, return him, um, sending Epaphroditus back to you, because I don't know why you sent this guy, uh, but because Epaphroditus is great. He sent, you sent this person to give me a gift, and he ended up being a gift. You sent this person to me to, to, to help me and, and you sent money with him, but this guy's been greater than the money. He's become my fellow worker. He's become my fellow soldier. And now he's going to continue that work on your behalf. I'm sending him back to you and he's going to help you. So Epaphroditus is being sent back. So let's, let's see uh, in the why, 
of verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So apparently in the work, either in being sent over or, or while he was there soldiering with Paul, Epaphroditus got sick and almost died. Apparently, or possibly the sickness almost led to death. We know he almost, almost died and they became concerned as would happen, right? If we found out, hey guys, guess what? Zach is over there, he's sick and he's about to die. We would probably be concerned, right? Uh, because we care about him. The Philippians were, were genuinely concerned for Epaphroditus because he was apparently about to die. So Paul feels obligated to ease their concerns by showing them that Epaphroditus is fine. And here's our first blessing and responsibility in this section here in verse 26. Uh, it's, a, it's a both and. The, the blessing and responsibility here are, are together, and it is that there must be a mutual concern among the churches. The concern must be mutual. Now, we've talked about that the one sending should care about the one receiving, but what we're going to see is that the one receiving should also care about those who are sending. So when, you're, when, when you are doing a work and you're sending to another church, another church body, there should be a care from your church that is sending, but the other church should also care. There is an obligation on the other church as well. Now that obligation is going to be great because you do both care about each other. So you're going to be really excited to see one another, but there, there should be this responsibility of caring for one another. Paul, he says, feels obligated to send Epaphroditus because he longs to see them and they long to be relieved about him. Their concern for him made him concerned for them. That made it necessary, Paul said. So I've got to send Epaphroditus. When churches send to other churches, when they meet the needs of other churches, it doesn't matter if they're here or if they're all the way across the globe. If you're meeting the need of another church, you must care about that church and that church must care about you. There must, be a, there must be a mutual concern. The Philippians cared about Paul, and so they sent Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus and Paul cared about the Philippians, so Paul sent them back to alleviate their concern. If they had not cared about Epaphroditus, or if he had not cared about them, then Paul would not have felt it necessary to send Epaphroditus back to them. But since there was mutual care, it was necessary to alleviate for both of them the care that they have. And that mutual care is going to be blessed. One of the great blessings that comes in this is, is both sides are blessed. Not only is their faith affirmed, but so is their welfare. They're, we are doing good. In this case, Epaphroditus' health, his desire to see them unburdened were the concerns that they had and in sending, that, that is going to be relieved. So when we go, we want to see their faith affirmed. We want to see that they're growing in the Lord. But we are also, it is also good to be concerned about their lives. To see how is your life going, right? To not just go over there and say, hey, they've got the Lord and go, well, be warmed and be filled and, and come back, right? It, it is okay to be concerned both about their spiritual well-being and their physical well-being. So Epaphroditus is going back because he wants to see that the church is okay and the church wants to see that he is okay. They both know that they're doing great. I mean, Paul could have just said, hey, don't worry about Epaphroditus. He's dying, but he's doing really great spiritually. And he could have done that, but he didn't. It was enough of a blessing and enough of a concern that he sends Epaphroditus back to show them that he is okay, 
Because that concern for the health of other believers, that concern for their, for their life and their livelihood is a good concern and one that the Lord will bless when you see each other. So mutual concern is both a necessary part of sending, but also one that is rewarded when we see one another. But, but Paul's got more. Look at verse 27. So churches that send should care and care for one another. It, it, it's, it's not just a one-way street. Uh, there should be mutual care and mutual concern. Verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So he said, look, you were right to be worried about Epaphroditus. He did. He almost died, but he didn't because of God's mercy, which was good for Epaphroditus, obviously, because he didn't die, uh, but also good for Paul. And he says, now that he is better, I can send him. And look at the blessings that are going to come when he sends him. Verse 28 I am the more eager to send him. Now, the word there for eager is the word spudo, where we get the word speed, right? So I, I am, I, Paul wants to do this, and I want to send him speedily. I want to send him quickly. Now, why? Why does Paul want to send him quickly? He says, I am more eager to send him. I want to send him quickly. Why? Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So he knows that when they see him, when they see Epaphroditus, they're going to rejoice. Both Epaphroditus is going to rejoice, the church is going to rejoice, and Paul himself can be less anxious. The word there for anxious is not the normal word for anxious. It's the word, uh, and I can be unburdened. Uh, I can be ungrieved. It is to take away. I can have this weight taken off of me by, by doing this. So Paul, Paul was burdened by the state of the church in Philippi. He was burdened by their care for Epaphroditus. And so he's sending Epaphroditus to relieve that burden. No, Epaphroditus going is going to help him know that their faith is affirmed, like we saw with the sending of Timothy. But ascending, the sending of Epaphroditus is going to also let them be uh, relieved and he'll be relieved because they're going to see that Epaphroditus is fine. Paul was worried about their burdens uh, and his as well. Uh, so in sending, that burden is, is going to be relieved. So I think we see a couple helpful things in that verse. One, the the rejoicing of reunion. Paul is glad that, that he'll be unburdened, but also he sent Epaphroditus speedily so that they could have the joy of reunion. Uh, mutual joy comes in sending, and I, I add this because it's in the text, but also because I don't want to think of, there can be a, a tendency to think of missions or sending as a purely austere work, right? Like it's, it's just business, just business. And if you like it at all, you shouldn't do it. Uh, so if you're sending someone and you're joyous in the sending, do you have joy in doing this? No, it is just business for me. That's not what, that's not what Paul is doing here. Paul actually says he is, he is glad for the joy that is going. I am more eager, why? That you may rejoice. So Paul knows he's going to send Epaphroditus. He knows it's going to be good for the, the church, but he wants to do it even quicker, why? Because he wants them to have the joy at seeing one another. That joy was a benefit large enough to make Paul say, I'm going to send him and I'm going to send him quickly. Why? So that you can, you can rejoice. So, so even their joy, their joy was so important that Paul sent him more quickly. He wanted to send him more speedily so that they could have that joy fulfilled as quickly as possible. You don't want to think, well, we probably shouldn't go because I think, I think, I think we're going to like it. I think we're going to like seeing them. 
Uh, again, sometimes with trips like these or stuff like this, uh, and we, we talk about it, you know, we'll be, uh, I tell the guys, like, it's, it's good to go over there and, and rejoice with these people. <laughs> it is, you don't have to be like, look, here's our list of what we're doing nine to five, and I promise we are not resting one second. Uh, we, are, we are teaching. If there's a break, another guy's teaching, because I tell you what we don't want to do is have fun. Uh, there's not that like it is okay to go over there because of your mutual concern for people and be happy and have a good time with these people. If you went over there and you did not have a good time and it was pure work, I'd say there's probably a problem in the sending. And the problem is not that you had, that you, that you had joy. The, the joy is what's supposed to come. If you don't have joy, then, then you begin to question the mutual concern that you have for these, for these people. For Paul, uh, the, the trip, is it business? Yes, it is business. Yeah, yes, it is a work. If it wasn't a work, there's no reason to go. You're not just sending over just to be happy. But part of that business, uh, a noble motivation in sending is the joy of the going and the joy of the seeing. There's nothing wrong with joy. In fact, it's expected. And Paul is glad that both sides will get great joy out of being with one another. He was so excited. He said, I want to send him quickly, more eagerly, with all speed, so that you can have, so that you can have this joy. So we see that blessing, the, the joy of reunion. But I think we also see some responsibilities. Uh, the first responsibility I think we see is go with speed, but not haste. You want to be quick, but not hasty. So we send. We send because there is a need, like we saw last week. If there's not a need, then why are you going? Why are you sending? But if there is a need, then you should respond as speedily, as quickly as you can. In other words, if, if another church has a genuine need, don't dawdle. I mean, if, if, if it's really a need for this church to get, let's talk about what we're doing, theological education, then don't dawdle. Don't just take your time helping them. They are in real need. And so if they're in real need, then you should go about that need as speedily as you can. I mean, these are real brothers, real sisters. You can't think of other churches or mission work as sort of like, you know, overseas dolls that you get to dress up uh, and you go over there and you put on some, we got them to do some Christian plays for us. And it was really great. And then we come up, I mean, these are real people who need you and whom we are able to help. If that is true, then you should be about that, that, about that help as speedily as you can. Paul, seeing that the sending was serious, said he wanted to do it as, as eagerly, as quickly as he could. If the, if the business is serious, then you should feel burdened about it. And if you're burdened about it, then you should be quick about it. And, and I, that's why I said you do it speedily, but you don't do it hastily. Even Paul said he could only go so fast that there were things that had delayed him. Things that needed to be in place, responsibilities that needed to be met. Our church can't just go and do so irresponsibly. We have a responsibility. Our responsibility is to send with as much speed as the problem requires and with as much patience as our situation demands. So speed and yet patience, speed and yet not being hasty. The other responsibility we see in this is we should have a burden for the people. Paul is burdened for them. He's sending Epaphroditus, at least in part, 
because of his burden for these people. He cares about them. He cares about what they're going through. That was, was something that weighed him down. It weighed him down what they were going. Not didn't just weigh him down that he's like, you know what? Ugh. I haven't really sent anybody in a while. You know, he's over there and he's in prison and he's like, I know I'm in prison, but we should really be sending people every da 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 da. He's not just sending because it's, it's that time to send. He's sending because he was burdened by them. I think Paul's in prison, burdened about what's going on with them. He's in prison and yet he's burdened, not by his own situation, but theirs. That's the level of, that's how much Paul is not like the people that were with him. The people that are only concerned about themselves and not concerned about Christ. Uh, he cared about these people to the point that everyone else would say, Paul, and they would all be concerned about Paul and his situation. And yet he is burdened by what they're feeling. So when it comes to a responsibility, one of the responsibilities you should have for those you send to, not just that you should care for them, not that you should want to see them, but that you should be burdened by their situation. You should be burdened that you've got pastors over here who have, who have been saved and the only churches that can teach them are wild, crazy churches. Influ- and this is why you should feel burdened because a lot of those churches that are crazy and teaching bad theology are churches that were planted there by America, by American churches that are crazy over here, but are crazy over here with a lot of money. And so they can go over there and plant some crazy churches. And so then the only places they have to get theological education are these crazy churches. And you got these young pastors who don't know any better. And they go, oh, look, here's a school teaching about preaching. Uh, And so they go over there and that's where they learn because they don't have anything else. We have the chance to give them something else. It should burden us that they don't have what we are richly blessed with. We should be burdened. That should be why we're going. Burdened by what they've got going on. Burdened by their situation. If we're not burdened by it, then don't go. If we're not burdened by it, there's something wrong with us. We need to fix that before we just send. So there should be a, there should be a, a, a burden uh, going on there. But we've, we've got two more responsibilities, and, and I, think, I think they're important ones. Uh, look at verse 29. Verse 29. We'll look at these quickly, and we'll jump into the uses. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men. For he he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul said to receive Epaphroditus uh, in the Lord with all joy and to to give him honor. The word uh, honor there is built on the word for precious. Uh, To to treat uh, this man as precious, someone who is valuable. So I think we see a couple things. One, uh, responsibility even though we've got that we care for them, we're going to rejoice at seeing them, there's mutual concern, we're burdened by them, we must understand that the foundation of our relationship with these churches, the foundation is the Lord. The Lord is, as Paul says, receive him in the Lord. Our foundation with these brothers is built off of our mutual relationship with the Lord. They received Timothy, uh, and now they're receiving Epaphroditus, and both of those are born out of the union that they all have in Christ. It is Christ, the Lord of them both, that is the linchpin that binds these two groups, that binds Paul's group and the Philippian group. They don't know each other. They're separated in some ways, even uh, more separated than we would be from Tanzania. Uh, we can get to Tanzania a lot faster than they could get to from Ephesus to Philippi, even though they're really close on the map, uh, and probably more dangerously or, than, than we have to deal with. 
And yet, what was it that bound them to this, to this group? It was ultimately their union in Christ. So Paul and them, there's a responsibility. I want you to receive him in the Lord, to remember that you're receiving this guy because he is the Lord's. And you are the Lord's. So you receive him in the Lord. There's that responsibility. The Lord is the foundation of our relationship. The other responsibility uh, is to treasure those who go. Treasure those who go. As he said, to honor such men. Now, again, it's, it's interesting uh, on Paul's part because he's telling the Philippians to honor Epaphroditus. He's telling them to honor him not because he's going to them. He's, he says, honor him. Why? Because he's doing the work of Christ. So he says, honor such men for what? For he nearly died for the work of Christ. So don't just honor them because they're going. Honor them because he's doing the work of Christ by going to help fulfill their service to Paul. Epaphroditus is coming to them after going to Paul. And he's now returning from their own sending. So, so really coming or going, it doesn't matter. Epaphroditus is to be honored. Because Epaphroditus is doing the Lord's work. And so should all who do the same. Honor, like he says, honor such men. In other words, Paul's expecting there, there to be more men who are doing the same thing. Who are being sent to the Philippians, who are working among their young church, and are doing so out of a love for the Lord. Doing so because of their desire to, for the work of, of Christ. So if sending is a response to a big need, and someone who goes is sacrificing to fulfill that need, then those who go should be honored. Which again makes sense because we only send worthy workers. We only send honorable people anyway. So you only send honorable people and those people who go and are willing to go uh, are people who should be honored, who should be seen as precious. So responsibility, last responsibility, treat them, treat those who go as precious. So let's, let's talk about uses for this text. What can we do with this text? What must we do? Uh, First, you go back to the beginning. Concern uh, is not a one-way street in a healthy sending relationship. Here's one of the responsibilities we have. Not only must we be concerned for them, we must see and make sure that they are genuinely concerned for us. And not even, not even just concern, not even just sending in order to, to continue our work there. In, in missions uh, and in sending to help another church, Really in any giving situation in life, there can be a tendency that one side is the sending side and the other side is the receiving side. And we need to be careful to teach that the churches we go to have an obligation to care about us. And if it becomes clear in the sending that they don't really care about us, they just want our stuff and our money, then we need to be aware of that and not do the sending. Right? If, if we went to these places, these pastors, they, they're, they're, they're taking the teaching and we, we see later on they're not using it. They don't really care about us. They're just getting the free food and the free place to stay and they're getting away from their families for a week. That would be a problem, right? And we wouldn't just go, oh, you know, maybe they'll learn. No, there, we do not, as in the sending, the church has to make sure that we do not grow leeches, right? The, the, the leech has two daughters. What are they? Give and give. And our job is in sending to make sure that we are not growing leeches. Here, Paul had helped establish a church at Philippi. And yet, who was the one that sent Epaphroditus to Paul with a gift? It was the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi didn't send Epaphroditus to Paul saying, Hey, Paul, how about more of those gifts? 
You know, they didn't send, they didn't send a Facebook message saying, behold, uh, our church needs a few more gifts if, if you're able to supply. They were interested in helping him. We want to create a situation where these pastors and these churches understand that they have an obligation to help us as well. That when we're over there, they know that they're going to mature to a point where they go, how can we help you? What can we do to help you? We don't want to create a a, a purely servile relationship where they just see themselves as the receivers and us as the givers. We've got to make sure there's mutual concern in both parties. And if there's not mutual concern, then there shouldn't be this ending. There shouldn't be the using of the resources for those who are only concerned for themselves who end up being like Paul was dealing with over here and now you're growing people over there who only care about themselves, not the work of Christ. They're just ready to get the gifts. So our church must be careful of that. We must be careful to make sure that we understand that that sending is a two-way street, not a one-way street. Uh, We have to be on the lookout for that. The other thing we must do is we must make sure that the needs are met with speed, not haste. Okay, so how can we do that? Our speed of helping these churches has to be tempered and in line with us meeting our necessities here. You know, we, don't, we don't have an obligation to have to teach pastors in Africa. There's no obligation to do that. But we do have obligations back here. If we can go there, but not meet our needs here, that is a problem. If you have a church that can build roofs in Africa, but not supply homes for those in need here, that's a problem. If, you have, if we have a church that say, yeah, let's, let's send Bibles over there, but don't care about getting the word of God to their neighbors, that's a problem. If we can raise money to travel on a jet plane, but aren't able to take care of one another, that's a problem. And you shouldn't just, if you shouldn't, this is why speed and not haste. If you cannot meet your needs here, take care of your needs here, fix that, and then go as speedily as you are able. Speedily, not hastily. So we must make sure as we labor to help our brothers and sisters that we are being wise in the speed with which we do it. We can't just go, oh, I know we don't have the money. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we got to do it, right? And just we're just buying plane tickets and setting things up. No, speed, but not haste. The next thing, we must be burdened by the work and unburdened by the sending. Be burdened by the work and then unburdened uh, when we send. Again, we can only go if the work is serious and the need is serious. These are God's resources, his, his time that he's allotted to us. We only expend those resources if people really need it. And if they do, if they do really need it, then we're burdened by their need, even if we can't meet it. There will be situations that you are burdened by and that we are burdened by that we can't meet. We could read accounts of churches in China. We could read accounts of churches in Iran. We could read, we're, we're going to hear about churches in Turkey. They heard about when they went to Istanbul and the things that are going on there. We cannot meet every need, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be burdened by every need. You should be burdened by the needs of others. It should grieve us. It should pain us that they're lacking in something. And then if we do have the chance, if the Lord by his grace has put in, so you got churches in Africa, you got churches in Tanzania, no one to train their pastors, right? But all of a sudden, look, lo and behold, we have amongst us uh, a man who happened to have been a uh, church planner in Africa for 30 years. That's going to be a a way to get into those churches. That is a chance 
to alleviate that problem. So we're burdened by it. Then we get the chance to do it. We alleviate that burden. Their burden should give us a burden. And so when we unburden them by sinning, it should also unburden us. We should see our work as being used by the Lord. And, and there should be an unburdening in that. There should be a recognition that the Lord is using us and he's going to use that work. So be burdened by what people are going through, but also be confident in the work of Christ and be unburdened in the sending. Uh, next, going to help other churches is a precious work. Uh, and those who go should be seen as precious workers. Uh, they visited uh, there, but they are a part of us. Um, I mean, those who go are already honored. It's an honor to send. But there's also recognizing someone who, who is sent. Is There's a responsibility for us to honor them. To honor them when they get back. Not to just honor them in sending and saying, okay, this is a worthy worker, they can go. But when they get back, to honor them. We should honor uh, Zach and Ralph and Mike and Jack uh, when they get back. Uh, to say, you know, this is someone who was used, think about it, this is someone used by God who has not only blessed us in the time they've been here, but God has also used, uh, who's worthy to go and bless others. We are so lucky for God to bless us uh, with a body of people like this. So that there should be a great honor. I'm so glad that you're back. You are such a useful tool here. So useful here that God actually also used you over there. There should be a great honor. We should see those who are sent and those who do that work as, as precious. And lastly, we have to make sure that we see our sending through the lens of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is so foundational for evaluating needs and helps and responsibilities, all those things, burdens. We must look at those we're helping through the lens of Jesus is Lord, now what? In the Lord, we are, uh, we are a team. In the Lord, both they and us, we are part of the same body. We are a, a church over there uh, and, and a church over here. That's true. And yet we're a part of the one church united under the Lordship of Christ, which means the Lordship of Christ must be central to everything that we do. And it will only, everything that we do in our sending. And the Lordship of Christ is only going to be central in our sending if the Lordship of Christ is central in our everyday mission, in our missions that we do every day here, in everything that we do now, only then will the Lordship of Christ be central to our sending over there. In other words, if your whole life doesn't revolve around Christ as Lord, then your sending isn't going to revolve around Christ as Lord. You're not going to all of a sudden become more nostalgic or more Christian or more serious when it comes to mission work. And, and I warn that because I think that's what people think happens. What happens is sometimes we'll go, oh, we haven't really been living for Christ here, but let's do a mission trip. Let's send someone and now we'll feel good about, look at all the, we are really treating Christ as Lord. If Christ is Lord over there, Christ is Lord here. And we need to live here as if Christ is Lord. If ever our sending is going to be built on that same thing. If the Lordship of Christ is not central to everything we do, then the mission of sending is going to go askew. Because right sending is born out of right 
lordship. We are governed by him. We're not governed by our feelings. We're not governed by our wishes. We're not governed by our dreams. We're not governed by anything else. All the things that those with Paul that, that he said, man, I can't send any of these people because they're not governed by the fact that Christ is Lord. They're governed by their own wishes, their own wants. We cannot be that as a church. If we're going to send rightly, then everything we do here has to be centered on the fact that Christ is Lord. We go because Christ is Lord. We love them. Why? Because Christ is Lord. We send. Why? Because Christ is Lord. We're burdened by their situation. Why? Because Christ is Lord. We go speedily. Why? Because Christ is Lord. Every aspect of our relationship with them must be born out of, must be birthed from the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If Christ is Lord, how should we view these people? If Christ is Lord, what should we do for them? And if Christ is Lord, how quickly should we do it? If Christ is Lord, what is required of us? If Christ is Lord, what blessings will come out of this relationship? Every single aspect of what we do as a church in sending is built off that reality. Christ is Lord, now what? Christ is Lord here, Christ is Lord in Tanzania. Now what do we do? As two churches separated only by space, but united in Christ, what should we do for one another? If we want to do missions right, it must be driven by the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Everything we do, every time we go, from the where to the how, to the what we do, to the why we do it, everything, we must do it all because Christ is Lord. And if Christ is not Lord in our hearts now, if Christ is not Lord over all that we do as a church and all that you do as an individual, then Christ will not be Lord in our sending. And he must be. So you must make Christ and live as if Christ is Lord every day if Christ is going to be Lord when we send to help other churches as well. And that's what he must be if we want our sending to be blessed. Let's pray. Just take a moment and consider the things that Christ has called us to. Think about the mutual concern that we're supposed to have. I mean, it can very easily be the case that you just that you're just concerned for Zach or you're just concerned for Ralph. Uh, and that's really who you've been thinking about. And our church must be concerned for this other church. We must be even burdened. And if you haven't been burdened yet, you've just been like, oh, going to Africa is a good thing, right? It's a good thing. So I'm happy we're going. But if you haven't been burdened by these people, as you should have been, ask for the Lord to help you see what their real situation is. To see what it's like over there. To understand the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And how blessed you are to get to help meet those needs. The Lord has richly blessed us. Richly blessed us so that, so that we're able to bless others. But we want to care about those to whom we're blessing. Have you been burdened by them? Have you been burdened by the situation of the churches in Tanzania? Or do you just know that we're going on a mission trip? Are you burdened about the work going on right now? Have you, have you even thought about our body over there at work? The worthy men that we sent? Has that concerned you? Have you been burdened by it? Ask the Lord to give you a burden. A good, healthy burden. And pray. Ask the Lord to help you see them in Christ. 
in the Lord, as Paul said, to view them as your brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we do all of this because Christ is Lord. I mean, we're here today, we're worshiping, we're praising Christ because he is Lord. And that must govern what we do in our sending as well. But ask that Christ would, would really convict you if he's not Lord of every area. He can't just be Lord of our mission trips. He can't just be Lord over our relationship with those people over there. He's got to be Lord over every aspect of your life. I mean, he is Lord over every aspect of your life. The question is, are you rebelling in some areas or not? Again, you don't need to make Christ Lord. You just need to recognize that he's Lord. And we can't just recognize that he's Lord in mission trips and in sending. You've got to recognize that he's Lord in, in, in your alone time. You've got to recognize that he's Lord in your life as a wife, in your life as a husband. You've got to recognize that he's Lord in your parenting. And you can't just make up for that by treating him as Lord on mission trips and on sending. Christ has to be Lord in everything. Ask him to show you, is there an area that, that you are rebelling against his lordship? Is there an area that he has commanded you what to do, oh man, and you are not listening? That we take it back to where we started this morning. Is there an area where you, like the people in the wilderness, have heard from the Lord and yet are not listening to what he says? We cannot desire for Christ to be Lord over there if he is not Lord over here. Christ must be Lord in our assembly amongst all of us. Ask that he would show you if there's any area that he's not Lord in your life today. Where you are not treating him as Lord. Father, we come to you today. We are so blessed by you, Father. So blessed to be able to even help these churches, to be able to, to do what... I mean, Paul said, I can only send Timothy. And we were able to send two people. How blessed are we? Two people that were, and we could have sent more because you have so richly blessed us, Father. We want to honor them, but we want to honor your work amongst us. I mean, we're just a little church in bags. And you have grown us and equipped us and, and, and given us a health that is not due to us. Solely by your good work and good pleasure. And we, we praise you for that. We are, we are rejoicing and knowing that as, as we send uh, two worthy men to do this work, we also know you are continuing to grow worthy uh, ones among us. That you are holifying us, Father, as only you can do. That we go to them and we see them in Christ and we know that you are working over there and there's great confidence and we rejoice in having that faith affirmed and, and in seeing them and, and reuniting with them and seeing the Lord at work in them and seeing that their lives are okay and seeing that they're growing in the Lord and, they're, and that they're happy and see that mutuality in the spirit. And, and, and we love that, Father. And we also know that you're not just working over there, you're working here in our church amongst us. And we know all the reasons that it makes no sense for you to work in my life or in our church's life. We know all the reasons that the consequences of what we've done, Father, should be, should be ones that, that give us just no hope that our birthright should have been forfeited long ago. And yet you are gracious and you work a great work amongst a small people. But we are your people. And so, Father, I pray 
that we would that we would rejoice in the lordship of Christ and that we would proclaim Christ as lord over every area of our life including when we send to other people when we go that we will see them as brothers and sisters in you and that we will see your work in them and not just go thinking about your work in us but Father, we'd see them as your great work. Please, Father, may Christ as Lord be the chant over every area of our life. And may it be the lens through which we see everything else. Thank you for what you've done among us and will continue to do. There is no one like our God. No one like you, Father. And we know that. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.